Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast. This is episode number 98 with Karen Weisinger, uh, who works at Maya Consulting down in Texas, doing some great work with their uh, school districts down there. It was a pleasure to get to talk to Karen uh, about her work, uh, her backstory, and just uh, what brings her to be really dedicated to this work and bridging kind of gaps between uh, K through 12 and higher education, just really affecting uh positive outcomes for students across uh, her entire state. So um, just really great stuff about uh, you know what we're all going through, trying to move our uh, collective institutions and organizations forward for uh, the benefit of our students. So uh, I know that you'll get a lot out of it just like I did, and be sure to check out uh, the resources and everything that uh, we talked about uh, down in the show notes and ways to connect with uh, Karen and the work that she is doing. So after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 98, a bonus episode with Karen Weisinger. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit Degree.me slash H-E-G. Thank you so much, Karen, for uh, taking time out for the podcast here. And this is uh, just yet another and a kind of uh, thankfully long uh, list now of kind of good serendipitous connections that are coming out of, you know, just genuine uh, networking. And, you know, I've just been kind of putting myself out there. So I'm very glad, uh, you know, we've been able to get uh, connected here and uh, record what I know will be a really uh, fascinating conversation, kind of wide reaching uh, for all of education uh, through your experience and everything. So, you know, we'll start there just to, you know, make sure folks know a little bit more about you. If you want to sure. uh, introduce yourself and give kind of a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Dustin, so much for for having me today. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Karen Weisinger, and I work for an education consulting firm, Maya Consulting. And I guess to start with my professional journey and how I got here, uh, I, I might take you back all the way to, to childhood um, and say that I, uh, so I, I currently live in, in my hometown where I grew up, which is Memphis, Tennessee. And I went to uh, Catholic schools all the way from kindergarten up to 12th grade. And so growing up, I very much uh, lived in a, uh, a pretty uh, sheltered environment, uh, very much in my comfort zone, surrounded by people who looked like me, who had similar religious beliefs that I did. And it wasn't until college, I went to, to college at the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, and it was really my, my freshman year where I realized that there was this world that so many people had not grown up having the same privileged lifestyle that that I was afforded growing up. I remember freshman year algebra class and looking around and realizing somebody who I was someone who thought I wasn't great at math in high school. And here I was, and there were people in my my freshman class who were struggling with some 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 basic intro math concepts, um, had some other similar experiences and some English classes. And so I was really starting to grapple in college with 
this idea of um, inequities existing in in our society. And as cliche as it sounds, I actually came across a flyer that was hanging in the, the honors college at Ole Miss that said, Closing the academic achievement gap is our generation's civil rights issue. And that really struck me. And so I ended up um, attending an information session. The flyer was from the, the Teach for America organization and began to learn more about the organization and, you know, really... Uh, I think it's only been recently that I have come to realize about myself that I have always had this strong sense of uh, a conviction and a desire for social justice and in fighting for um, equity. And, and so I decided to apply for, for the Teach for America program and thought, you know what, now is the time to really get out of my comfort zone. And I ended up uh, teaching uh, in the, the South Bronx, seventh grade English language arts. And it was uh, a very challenging time. Here I was, an idealistic right out of college, you know, thinking I could change the world. And <laughs> Uh, you know, my story in years following, uh, probably very similar to other uh, others that have gone a similar path of, of doing Teach for America. I taught for a few more years. I took on some, uh, some administrator roles and and then I ended up, I uh, was living in back in Memphis and met my now husband at a, a mutual friend's wedding. He was living in Austin, Texas. I was living in Memphis and uh, we ended up uh, deciding to get married. And so I thought, okay, now is a time to live in the same place uh, now that we are going to get married. And so I, I made the move to, to Austin, Texas uh, to, to be with him and continued to, uh, to work in schools. I was a founding elementary school principal. And then after uh, having my second child, decided to transition out of uh, the classroom, school environment that I had known for over a decade in education and wanted to transition into something that would allow me more of the, the opportunity and flexibility to, to be a mom and have a job at, at the same time. So I, I left uh, the, the school and ended up joining my consulting, which uh, my uh, boss was a, a a former colleague of mine at the the school where I worked, and and so that's what what led me to Maya Consulting, and I've been with them now uh, for over two years. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're kind of reflecting on your like the entirety of your education professional journey and everything, and you know, I think 
there's just so much there of like understanding like your own story and like what the experience of others is in education and, you know, how much work there is to be done uh, there. So, you know, I guess like we'll start there because I think, you know, the, the main topic that we want to focus on um, for this, and, you know, and this will be uh, kind of like a bonus, like special episode, like, you know, a little bit more focused, but just sort of like, you know, system level change. And I think, you know, it could be taken a couple of different ways, I guess, of, you know, from what you're speaking of, of like being a founding uh, school principal or, um, you know, if there's ever like new initiatives that were happening or changes that were happening um, that you were a part of, but just like that idea of system level change is certainly very relevant in the times now of like, you know, having to really, you know, pivot into digital uh, education quickly or um, just be, uh, you know, influencing change in any organization around like, you know, fighting back against like systemic racism and those sort of things. So I'm just curious, kind of like, in any capacity of education, like what your experience has been uh, with that, whether it's firsthand doing it, helping to consult to, you know, help kind of shepherd that change or, you know, just anything that comes to mind. Cause I feel like that's obviously just sort of super relevant for folks right now. Yeah, definitely. So at, at Maya, um, we're a small firm, a, a group of all educators and our mission, our vision is that, that we want excellent and equitable schools with inclusive communities that prepare all children and families for success in life. And we have had um, the opportunity over the past couple of years to, to be able to work with uh, both school districts and work at that system level, like you're talking about, as well as at the individual school level. Uh, we also support uh, nonprofits and, and foundations, and we we do work that involves strategic and sustainable improvements in practice and systems. And the the two big areas that I have personally been involved in. Uh, when we think of systems change has been, one, through our work as uh, technical assistance providers through the, the state education agency in Texas, uh, we have played a role of uh, really three different roles, uh, being an advisor to, to districts, doing project management, and then being that liaison between the district and, and the state education agency. And we have now supported over 20 school districts in Texas to uh, plan and implement uh, what we have been calling in Texas as, as bold school actions to, to improve uh, to improve schools and, and outcomes for, for kids. And the, the action that I have been personally involved in and that I have come to be really passionate for has been around uh, partnerships and working with uh, school districts and uh, nonprofits, early childhood centers, institutes of higher education to, uh, to, to work with both of them to, to come together and, and form in-district partnerships in order to um, provide more quality programming and options for students. 
So the ultimate goal is to be able to increase the number of A and B campuses that exist in a district and decrease the amount of um, DNF, you know, rated schools that are out there. And so um, the the partnerships have have been something that that I have just really come to see as as an avenue as a route to make that um, that that system level change. You know, I think when organizations can look to each other as not as competitors, but as you know, how can we work together? put egos aside and really do what's best for students. And, uh, and so that's been really, really exciting work. And through that, um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time working with district superintendents, assistant superintendents, because a lot of this work takes school board approval and uh, informing the community and and finding out what it is they need and what they're looking for and um, and and helping districts find partners that can can help bring um, extra expertise resources capacity to their district that might not have been there previously. Yeah, and I guess the, the fascinating stuff, and I mean. Um... I'm kind of curious with like kind of the, that saying like an A and B rating, like the success that you are able to achieve, like what are some like tangible examples of like the successes of your work of like, you know, you're, you're implementing, you know, a new policy, a new process, a new platform, something, you know, what are some of those things that you're measuring that say like, okay, great, this person or, you know, this, uh, you know, this organization, you know, has been able to, you know, reap the benefits of, you know, this, uh, uh, this change that you've helped them to, to implement. Sure. Well, on a, a specific level, we have worked with uh, four different districts to expand access and quality for early childhood. So we have, like in Galveston, Texas, for example, we helped uh, a, an early childhood center there along with the district to expand uh, pre-K for, for, for three-year-olds, for four-year-olds that, that didn't exist previously in, in the district. Uh, we also have, have worked with uh, Texas A&M San Antonio, uh, which is an um, institute of higher education in San Antonio that is working really closely with several of the, the school districts there to especially on the south side of San Antonio, where there is a high economically disadvantaged population, um, high English language learner population. And it has been so, so fascinating to see this um, university wanting to go down to the the K-12 level and, and reach out to the local districts and see how they can um, you know, partner to bring um, to bring resources to to each other. So, for example, uh, being able to bring more like dual credit classes to high school, to be able to have more student teachers teaching on the campus, to create that natural pipeline from 
um, from high school into college to have a place for the college professors to do research in a very like real tangible way. So those have been some of the the exciting successes. Uh, Texas A&M San Antonio has created two partnerships with um, within Edgewood, which is a small district there um, at, at the middle school level. They're now working with another school district, uh, talking about uh, one at a high school level, South San Antonio ISD. And so they have uh, desire to continue to to expand and grow. Uh, we also have seen just across the board the the districts that have implemented these new bold actions uh, that you know we're seeing about like twelve percent who have been able to have more A and B schools and like ten percent fewer DNF schools after implementing these bold actions um, over the course of just a couple of years. So when you've got a, a really large district with a lot of campuses, that is that's really big improvement in in a short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it sounds like, I mean, it's come up a few times on uh, previous episodes, which is sort of this like, I mean, even kind of a broader point of view on it, because I think, you know, it's been talked about just with like, um, like college is kind of like a network approach of, you know, kind of yeah, putting the competitive aspect aside and, you know, building, building really good, like, you know, transfer pathways or sharing resources or different things. But, you know, even more broadly, of like what you're mentioning of like, you know, a college really uh, embedding itself in the community that it's in with the school districts and just all those opportunities that are there. And, you know, just any of the seeds that you plant of helping an early childhood program, like you're saying, like, you know, just helps the student be more prepared each grade, you know, as they go on or just like, um, you know, uh, even if you're directing it, even like very precisely on um, kind of college access or pathway programs of helping high schoolers or something. It's just that idea of like kind of working better together versus like colleges kind of being like cranky that they don't get qualified applicants. And then like people in K through 12 feeling like there's not really like, I don't know, like there's like kind of gatekeeping or something like they just don't have kind of the transparency into, um, you know, the other side or something. So it's just really refreshing to hear like there's, you know, been great successes there with the, you know, some of the uh, institutions that you're working with, but um, yeah. certainly this yeah. is all, this is all great. Like, cause I think, you know, obviously the outcomes are really positive, but I'm sure the process could get, uh, you know, a bit messy with a lot of uh, perhaps politics or just like, you know, personalities and those sort of things. So I guess just talk us through that a little bit of just sort of like, you know, those friction points that you encounter, like the complexities and how you work to kind of push through those and get around them. Yeah, definitely. The, the politics has been interesting and, you know, I'll say it's 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 been really new for me because uh, before working uh, with my consulting, I the only thing I knew was within the 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 walls of the school building, and 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 so it was only recently that I began to see the enormous um, power and responsibility that school boards have, and so so that has been something new that that uh, that I've been able to. Um, you know, kind of pull back the curtain and, and see, uh, as well as just the 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 responsibility that that the district superintendents have, and and that relationship that they have with their school board, and yeah, it um, you know I, I would say that 
one big lesson that 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 I have certainly learned has been this idea of context is everything. And education is such a local thing. And every school is different. Every district is different. And we have very much wanted to be the type of um, consultants and partners for for the communities that we work with, where we we don't want to come in, you know, saying this is the way to do things. This is how it has to be done. We really try and spend a lot of time in the beginning, just learning and listening and trying to figure out, okay, what is the, the, the vision for this district? Uh, what are they trying to accomplish? What are they proud of? What are some of the challenges? What is keeping them up at night? Uh, what are their, their goals for this potential partnership or this you know, new school that they're trying to create? Uh, how is that going to solve different problems? And so really learning listening, trying to, to, to find out as much as we can about the community. And then also another big lesson, it has been around, uh, I guess I'll call it like executive engagement and mm. making sure that we are talking to the right people. <laughs> uh, that was a, a lesson certainly learned um, kind of the first time around doing this type of work is that you can waste a lot of time if you're not talking to the right uh, leaders at, you know, within a system. And so whether that is the actual superintendent or assistant superintendent, a chief innovation officer, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as that person has been given the authority and the power to make the decisions and, you know, and so I think a lot of times initiatives are thrown at districts or they try and go about accomplishing things or at the campus level, but there has to be that buy-in and investment from the very top, I think, in order for uh, changes to really sustain and, and that investment by the community. And so I would say those have been some, you know, some of the, the biggest lessons and figuring out how do you influence those people? Uh, who can I call to learn more that has worked with them previously? How can I find out what makes them tick? How do they like to communicate? Do I need to send a text message versus an email because they're not responding? You know, all of these just interpersonal things too. Um, I have just had to, to learn and overcome to figure out how best to, you know, to, to make headway and, and to gain trust um, in order to figure out how I can best help move their initiatives and, and plans forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I can be boiling down to just the quirks of, yeah, like, like this person only responds to text messages. Like they're not really an email person. You're like, okay, all right, well, you know. It's like just kind of going with that or something. But uh, then, yeah, even just the bigger things of like, yeah, talking to the right people could be where it's like, well, we uh, wasted months of time because uh, we weren't yeah. uh, talking to the right person. So we're going to have to like go over everything again or something. But um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, then, you know, I think obviously like this is such an interesting time because I think you're seeing that there's kind of like gravitational pulls both ways. Like we're in such a disruptive, unexpected time that 
is in a lot of ways accelerating change that was, you know, sort of overdue or necessary or kind of happening anyway. But I think there's also tendencies to be like, well, everything is so chaotic. Let's just really like kind of dig our heels into the way that we've always done things and do everything that we can to do it like we did it before of like, especially with, you know, anywhere in education, whether it is a K through 12 school or a college, because I, 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 I joke about this a lot. And I get that it's a very complex kind of situation of how you like, you know, keep an institution going with everything that's going on and trying to bring students and everybody back on campus, which is like, well, let's just put plexiglass everywhere so that we can have students back on campus, just like we always did it. And like, everything is just like, you know, the same versus like, okay, well, the budget that we would use to put plexiglass everywhere like how can we maybe leverage resources to embrace like digital education different platforms or whatever like you know i think mm-hmm. those are the dilemmas that everybody is trying to grapple with so you know yeah from your point of view as you know leaders are you know leaders in education just broadly like as they're grappling with these you know uh, th- with these dilemmas just generally like what kind of advice would you give uh to people or even even the people that work with those people of like trying to give good advice or something you know uh to help them to make decisions like yeah just from your point of view like what advice would you give uh just with all of this kind of in consideration yeah no it's it's a great point i mean i think that what we're seeing across the board is that leaders are so focused on what is happening in the next minute, in the next hour, in the next day, things are so rapidly changing with with COVID and reopening plans and adjusting to that. And, you know, while all of that obviously has to uh, happen and you have to think about what is in front of you, one thing that, that I really wish that we were seeing more is, you know, how can we take this crisis and and use it for a catalyst for change, like you're saying, and to really reinvent and reimagine education. And I think in order to do that, we need leaders who are going to be bold and, you know, who might take the political hits, who are going to be able to uh, ask for help and, and, and seek out leaders in the community, partnerships, organizations, and, and, and form groups that can continue to think through strategic planning, long-term planning, and, and how can educating students look different in, you know, one to, to five years? How do we want to uh, use this time to really think about how we need to pivot and how we need to make sure we are considering students' social-emotional needs and trauma-informed decisions and, and, and all of these things. And so I, I do uh, want that. I think that's my you know, one desire is that while leaders are so focused now on, on the now, how can either they or a, a team really be focused on, okay, well, what's going to be next and, and how can we work for that? Uh, and I, I think too, uh, just the, the communication right now, I think is so important. And I have seen, uh, leaders and districts be more successful when it seems like they're, they're hearing from a leader more consistently about the current, uh, you know, task at hand and really speaking from a place of, of humility and honesty and, and trying to keep that communication flowing as, as frequently as possible and really 
taking this time to listen to what it is that our community needs. What is it that, you know, we, we've got to improve in order to prepare students for, you know, to have these more 21st century um, skills that's going to prepare them not only to get to college, but, but through college and persist. And I, I think all, all of that is, is so important to, to be thinking about the future while also balancing what's going on in the here and now. Right. Well, I think an, an important detail there for sure that, again, has kind of come up uh, often is, uh, you know, making decisions with your students, not like solely for them. And certainly that can apply to, you know, most stakeholders, but like you should at least be like helping people to feel involved and heard, even if like, you know, the decision ultimately does not go the way that they would hope it would be, but you right. know, people still feel uh, involved. Cause I think we've uh, seen at times where that is uh, not the case, especially right now. And, you know, uh, certainly there's a lot of urgency and, uh, you know, uh, Decisions are need to be, you know, needing to be made quickly, but, um, you know, still trying to do the due diligence of including people. And, um, you know, and I think, too, that idea of like really making like change sustainable, I think that's why to, to me, like, like putting plexiglass everywhere, like for classrooms, like feels like kind of like a punchline because it's like, what other use is there for that? I don't know. Like, and it feels like there's like clearly another yeah. way, you know, in certain instances, there's there's not, you know, where like somewhere definitely needs to be open and they need to keep people safe. But, you know, that there's such a clear path to you know, kind of digital education, you know, with that fork in the road. But, um, you know, and that, that just feels like more sustainable change that would allow for like, you know, potentially like greater access uh, for students and, um, you know, just more, uh, you know, that kind of choice in the modality and uh, the way that different uh, content is facilitated for courses. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all interesting stuff. And I think, I don't know, again, I, I, I don't, ever claim to make it uh, think, you know, make people think that it's just like, oh, it's just that easy. Just like it's a fork of their own and just do whatever, you know, like there's so many other things to consider, but like you said, it, it, you know, it takes people with kind of vision and, you know, good, I think decision-making and communication skills and, you know, all those sort of things packaged together to make sure that, you know, the decision that's made is thoughtful, intentional, inclusive, and, you know, uh, considerate of everything that, uh, you know, needs to be. And it's communicated clearly and confidently to, you know, uh, all the stakeholders. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be so you know so interesting just to see where we are six months from now. Um, you know how how we're taking these lessons learned and and you know I think that that for a lot of us, myself included, we we like to think, oh, you know, we're going to be back back to the quote normal. Um, but, but this could go on much longer. And so, yeah, like how, you know, I was, I was participating in a conversation yesterday, just thinking about, you know, preparing buildings for when students do return and, and knowing that, you know, if some have been, um, closed and vacant, you know, making sure that like just thinking through, turning on air conditionings and time and just all of the things that, that need to, to happen, but all of the uncertainty around not knowing when that will be. Uh, I think a lot of times that can just paralyze leaders uh, because there are so many decisions and there, there is so much unknown. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Well, then, uh, as we start to kind of wind down, I'm curious, like anything that helps uh, inform your work or um, just, you know, great resources that you're seeing out there. So just anything kind of under the sun that you'd want to, uh, you know, get a give a tip of the hat to that we can include in the show notes. Uh, yeah, just any any relevant resources. Sure, sure. So I right now am uh, listening to probably along with a lot of other people, the the podcast Nice White Parents. Um, have you, have you listened to that one? Destiny? I know of it. I haven't gotten the chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it has really hit, hit close to home. Um, just in thinking about the, the work that, that I've been doing and the fact that I've, you know, school age children now, and, uh, it's, it's really made me just, yeah, think about my, my approach with communities and, um, I, I highly recommend any parents, uh, educators uh, to to take a listen to, to that. I also have been really obsessed with uh, Brene Brown's Unlocking Us podcast. I have, I feel like it's helped me get through a lot of the the pandemic. I think she's had on uh, some really amazing, diverse group of. Um, of thought leaders. And, and so recommend that one. In terms of, of books, I just got finished uh, working with my team on, on two books as we, as we work towards trying to create a more working organization with distributive leadership. We, we just finished reading Brave New Work by uh, Aaron Dignan and uh, Culture Code by Daniel Cole. So those are two books that I'd recommend if you're uh, looking to uh, just improve culture, team dynamics, and you know might be thinking about how to, to structure your your organization differently. Good stuff. Um, I just downloaded the first episode of uh, Nice White Parents because it's like oh, good. It always like stuff swirling <laughs> and like anytime like somebody mentions something in particular that I've known about, I'm like, well, I got to at least check it out, you know, because it's just like there's so much stuff out there. So it's like anybody giving a recommendation, I'm like, okay, all right. Well, you know, yeah. it's not just like well, random, you know, the ether on Twitter or whatever. It's like, oh, it's somebody I'm talking to. And, you know, all right, well, I'll take their word and for with it. with you, you being know? a parent now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good call on that one. And yeah, I mean, it's just like a five part series, you know, like a podcast series. So um, I worked through that pretty quickly. And yeah, I've been like, you know, engaging more with audiobooks during uh, quarantine and everything. And that's helped me to get through uh, uh, more books and, you know, still trying to keep my healthy diet of uh, podcasts going too. So, um, so yeah, yeah, now that you with with a newborn, you really have to, I have listened to a lot more books than I ever did before, because as soon as you lay down at night, I'm sure you are falling asleep. It's hard to keep your eye open and read once you <laughs> are, are so tired and have such busy days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just like, you know, I'm walking the dog, I'm doing anything. It's like, yeah, I can like listen to stuff. I can't like read a book while I'm like rocking her to sleep. Like it'd be very hard to like right. hold the book and turn the pages and do what I, you know. So yeah, yes. <laughs> audio to the rescue. Um, yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of like a big kind of pointed question here at the end. So kind of take it as you will. But, you know, we always end these episodes kind of optimistic, future oriented. Um, so for this episode, we'll just end it with this. What are you looking forward to for the future of education? For the future of education? Well, I, I've i got to, I think, put put a plug again for for what I've shared as, as passion and what I truly think can can help create positive change in the future for our students. And that's the community partnerships. 
I, I truly believe that uh, schools cannot be everything for everybody. Um, they were not designed that way, structured that way. There are so many challenges that exist for families these days, especially families living in poverty. And and so I would love to see uh, more schools and districts create um, true, authentic partnerships and, and really think about how we can um, you know, bring others to the table to provide um, all the wide range of services that we are seeing that students need, that this pandemic has really laid bare uh, the, the need for the, the, the community to, to come together. And so I think that's one thing, a silver lining that, that I think we can see from this is, is how can uh, in the future we continue to approach education from, from a, you know, we're all in this together, uh, you know, lens. Uh, so I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see that. And, you know, I'll, I'll end with, it reminds me of this, um, African proverb. It's really guided my work at Maya. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So just inspire leaders to, you know, focus on putting students and families first and recognize that when you work together, you can go further together. Yeah, it's a classic um, adage there and always uh, always resonant, I think. Because um, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, all of that makes me think of just like the things that we're doing, like feeling like we're moving, you know, kind of heaven and earth to make sure that, you know, people have what they need to be able to, you know, attend classes and like, you know, giving people laptops and internet connections and, you know, providing meals to people who need them and like all these things, you know, as optimistic as I am, like, I know like all of those probably will not continue to forever, but it's like, I mean, we're doing it now. They maybe could. And that would be like transformative yeah. for so many people. If we like, we're just like, wow, we were able to like figure out the logistics of all this. Like what would it look like to keep doing it? You know, for the people that need it, you know? So, um, those sort of things. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, make me hopeful that it's like, you know, well, people said it wasn't possible, but I mean, we figured out a way. So, um, you know, that, that yeah. just, is, yeah. you know, really powerful thing. Yeah. Just how we can, um, yeah. I mean that idea of like, cause it, it certainly was not like any sole kind of, uh, you know, single player, like doing all these things. It really was like those partnerships. I think like you're saying, you know, and, um, I think that that's definitely a good, uh, you know, food for thought for people and uh, just a lot of great stuff that uh, you shared and, uh, you know, the resources and everything. So, you know, just thank you so much for the time that you took out uh, really quick for the podcast here and just sharing your story and all your experiences. And um, yeah, just look forward to folks uh, being able to hear this. And I'm just uh, yeah, so grateful for the opportunity to chat. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dustin. I so appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.